what a few months SEN's going to have. They're going uh, over the UK to bring you every ball of this Ashes series and the World Test Championship final. Of course, that's at the Oval prior to the Ashes starting. And a man who is going to be part of the whole lot, the call team, synonymous with SEN, synonymous with Channel 7, synonymous with world cricket, is Damien Fleming, who joins us on Road to the Ashes right now. Flem, a big welcome to you. What an intro. What an intro. That's why you're a legendary <laughs> captain of Victoria. Hey, Harmy, good to see you. And 48, always good to catch up with you. Yeah, um, and yourself. And yourself. I remember, Simon, I remember a very young man going over to Rod Marsh's Academy in 2000, I think it was, and we played, we we got a game at the, at the unbelievable chance to play at the MCG. And a certain Mr. Fleming came and played second team for Victoria because he come back from it from an injury. So it was uh, it was it, we were we were over the moon to play against an absolute Ashes legend in a in a in an MCG with a hundred thousand seats with about four people in. So, I mean, so having said that, Harmy, what, what he just said then, Harmy, before he starts to you know overwhelm our interview here, he called me forty eight. Harmy, <laughs> when. Flem and I played together for Victoria. Flem batted, I, I would hope, no higher than 10. He might have got to nine every now and then. <laughs> I used to hover around five and six. Uh, um, yeah. Flem's colourful test career came up with some, you know, some very, very good scores. Um, my top score was 48. His was far greater than that. Oh. And he now refers to me as 48. <laughs> I think very, very nasty. I mean, what was your highest test score? Uh, 49. Um, Monty, oh Panasar, oh. Man, Monty Panasar ran me out. He hit, I hit the ball so straight to up. AB. He hit the ball straight to AB de Villiers and shattered run. And I went, so as we were walking back, I said to Mont, what did you, what did you run for? And he said, I thought he was a wicketkeeper. He was a backward <laughs> point. I said, he's one of the best feelers in the world as well. So Tommy's you've got a got higher score run. than Scoob, and um, <laughs> I scored 23 extra runs. In a t- so I'm the only one here that raised their bat in an Ashes Test match. Is you did. Right? Yeah, you Quite did. Right. Quite right. And and I was robbed. You had Monty. I had bloody Glenn McGrath. I was <laughs> only needed 15 more minutes, and he bloody tried to slog Robert Croft out of the ground, second ball. <laughs> Flem straightening this up uh, because uh, I'm the one copying Flanders, so I'd like to straighten it up. <laughs> this Ashes series, I and mean, the build-up to it, there's always massive build-ups to an Ashes series. You know, throw the baz ball in and the injury concerns. I mean, this is fantastic what's going on here. You, know, you, you just can't wait for June 16. Yeah, it's a cracker, isn't it? Just... And full credit to England. You know, they're trying something different, basball, um, but they're a little bit of a contradiction because they're basball with the bat, but they're more a defensive bowling unit, the traditional line and length, letting the juke ball work for themselves, a bit of cross seam and, you know, using the both sides of the wicket. So it, it's sort of like the matchup of, Basball batting, T20 batting against a highly credentialed Australian team. Is that sustainable over five test matches? And then also, 
We know James Anderson, Broad, Robinson's in for a big Ashes series as long as he's fit. Um, you know, I think, you know, how is Australia's batting going to cope against them? Because I've got no doubt Marnus and Smith can make a lot of runs, Travis Head, Cam Green, but they don't want to be walking in at one or two down straight away like they were in 2019. So I'm intrigued, Harmy, just by the pure matchups um, through this Ashes th- series and then also that that trend of, of, of how well the baseball batting will go against our attack. Yeah, spot on when it comes to the, the, the terminology of baseball bat and baseball ball. I think in New Zealand, England were looking to try and keep their their fast bowlers for the Ashes, Wood, Archer, knowing the IPL was on the horizon. But I think that was the grand plan. Ben wanted five fast bowlers, six fast bowlers, and he wanted at least two of them to be 90-mile-an-hour bowlers. Now, they're injured, um, and we're going to go back to the old guard, and that's what the old guard is. You know, Broad, Anderson, Robinson's got a bit of a niggle. Wood will play. Um, he's Actually, his wife's about to give birth to Deer as we speak, so... Um, once that happens and it's out of the way and fingers crossed for Sarah, everything's good. He comes into this series with a, a spring in his step. Now, I want to question on throw it back on that front is England, you know, they've got some injury concerns. Australia have got some players playing some fantastic cricket and first-class cricket in England. And I've said this quite a few times, Flem, that I think England are the best team in the world at this moment in time. Australia have probably got the better players individually. But when you go into that World Test Championship first test match, do you go in with the best best players? Or do you go in with the best players who are performing well? And I look at first-class cricket at the minute, and you've got Michael Nesser, who's bowling unbelievable, Sean Abbott bowling very, very well. You've got Marcus Harris batting very, very well. You mentioned the top of the order. I think England's top of the order is vulnerable, but I also think if England want to win the Ashes, they get into Australia's top of the order, and that's how they do it with Warner and, and Kawaja. Yeah, certainly so. But my gut feeling is they're going to go with the, the 11 that they'll play in the first Ashes Test match. And I think it would be only an injury to, to Hazelwood that might see Ness come in, who's on, on fire in county cricket. But they'll, they'll, want, they'll want to win this Test Championship. They'll... they'll they spoke a lot how overrates cost them last time. So this is something that, you know, they, they want want to win badly. And it also gives them a nice run into that first test match. So my gut feel is Warner will open with Kawaja. Um, if Hazelwood's fit, he'll play. Um, if he's not, I think Boland would play against Ness um, anyway. Um, so I, I think they'll keep it pretty simple, but I, I'm, I'm hearing that, They've certainly encouraged Ness, um, Harris and also Hanscom to be over playing county cricket because for injuries, but also for form because it's five test matches. And particularly with the batting, um, to be able to bring in some batsmen who are in form in county cricket would, would be an actual, absolute luxury. So I think they'll go pretty standard first up, but if things don't go to plan, I wouldn't be surprised to see players outside the squad play in this Ashes series. Glenn, you, you talked a little earlier about um, some support for, in particular, Larvis Jane and, and Smith and Head in that upper and middle order. Now, that obviously comes with the openers being successful. Usman Quadra has been a, a revelation there over the last couple of years. But where do you sit on the, 
the Warner situation. And if things do go awry and you have a Marcus Harris peeling off runs for Gotham, what 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 do you do? When do, when do you make that change? You know, how do you measure how important that is? Well, going back, I, I would have picked a right-hand opening batsman as as someone um, as a backup opener to Quadra and Warner. So I've always felt like Cam Bancroft is just a little bit short of Test class, but I saw some refinement in his um, his um, technique over the summer. He had a very closed technique, um, which led open to outside edges and also the ball angling in. But he looks to have um, got a straighter. Um, plane of the bat these days. So to go in with four left-hand opening batsmen, Harris and Wrench or there as well, I thought, what happens if Broad, Anderson, Robinson get into a groove against our left-handed top-order batsmen? You know, where's the change-up? You know, what are we going to do about being able to play a right-hand batsman? So I would have done that initially, but um, I've still got Warner ahead of Harris despite the form because otherwise why pick him? There's no use going to um, a younger player and having an older player as the backup. I think start with the the more established players and if they get themselves out of form, then you bring in the younger players and and you move on from there. And Flem, we've talked about this series and it's going to be a fascinating series. It's going to be a great series. Um, But the Ashes, you know, there's all bad balls, all injuries, there's all everything that's going with it. But you can play one way in a normal bilateral series, but that five-letter word does wonderful things to the mind. I can certainly vouch for that because I did it in Brisbane. But when you talk about the Ashes and what the Ashes means, what does the Ashes mean to Damien Fleming and experiences you've had in it? Yeah, well, obviously, I didn't play as much international cricket as you, Harmy, but for me, the test matches that I played, and Scoob as well, I just thought Ashes were just twice the pressure of any other test match, just because of the tradition. built, you know, the original two teams, um, even the Thursday before, sorry, the Tuesday before day one at the Gabba on a Thursday, you know, signing 500 bats, all the English press are coming over. Um, as you know, that running in for the first ball at, at the Gabba, it's so loud. Um, so for me, I always just thought it was something that I always wanted to play in. My first Ashes series that I remember were Botham's Ashes, 81. Um, and what a series that one was. So I, I just thought um, to be able to play in a couple of Ashes series, pour the drinks in 2001, unfortunately I couldn't get a gig on that one, um, you know, it was just um, another level compared to playing against other nations. And in the two series I played at home, you know, there was they were pretty good England teams, 94, 95, 98, 99. But once again, as we know, it's the bowlers that dictate test match wins and you've got to get 20 wickets. And really, when I look at those two series I played win, the reason we dominated really was we had Craig McDermott and Shane Warne in 94-95, who I think both took over 30 wickets. And then in 98-99, we had McGrath taking over the fast bowling mantle. Warney was injured for the first four tests. And then Stuart McGill took 27 wickets in four test matches. So it was about the bowlers. So... I see it no differently here. Um, it'll probably be that the, the, as much as we've got baseball batting, I think it'll be whichever bowling attack dominates more that'll, that'll dictate who wins. 
Let's just give you a little reminder, Flem, while you, you're talking about bowling attacks and and uh, those attacks winning test matches. Let's take you back to 1994, the MCG, pretty much a, a packed house. Uh, what are your thoughts after you listen to this bit of audio? Here we go. Fleming took the last one. Merv Hughes before him. You won't see many better catches at forward short leg than that one. The Aussies are all around, and have a look at that. Fleming alongside Warren there, the last two to take a hat-trick for Australia. What a moment. Well, he got his hat-trick. You were joyous when he got his. Um, you had your own little opportunity too, Flem. Well, he dropped my bloody second hat-trick, didn't he, Warren? Shocking. I... I what, what the audio doesn't say, I got one in my first test, so I, I did say to him, mate, do you really want to know how to get a test hat-trick? Because I've already got one, <laughs> all right, just to calm him. But um, so I talked him through it, went with the stock ball, um, and then five years later when I've got the chance to get two, he bloody drops it, doesn't it? But um, but the late Warney, as we all know, um, in my time, in a famous team, he was the most famous team by uh, famous teammate by by tenfold, and he had so much charisma, um, and he was always going to get the hat trick that day. And for me, it's one of the highlights of my career. You know, for Warney to get it in front of his home crowd, um, Booney was actually on his thirty fourth birthday. You know, took the catch, and it was the first time we'd sang the song underneath the Southern Cross. I'd stand when I'd been in the eleven. So, you know, for me, it was fantastic memories. But I, I remember everyone ran in, but the umpire, Steve Randall, hadn't given it out. So I'm the last to run in. So I waited for Steve to put up his finger. So I was the last one in there to celebrate. Um, but, you know, just once again, Warney wasn't going to do it anywhere else but the MCG, you know, a place he owned. Um, and just another little milestone for the, for the great man to tick off, wasn't it? Yeah, and you talk talk us through your hat trick, friend. You know, we talk about Ashes hat tricks. We ain't. You, it's a, it's an unbelievable thing to have as a hat trick in Test match cricket. But talk us through yours. Well, unfortunately, I don't think there's any footage. It was in Pakistan, Harmy, and 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 the player I dismissed later got Dan done for match fixing. So we're just still. <laughs> my teammates are still wondering whether it actually counts. Um, <laughs> But it's in Wisdom, boys. So I'm taking it. Yeah. So a bit like a bit like Stuart Broad, not not wanting to count the Ashes series because of COVID last year. You're a bit sceptical of yours because of because of, because of a bit of match fixing. Complications later on have put it into question, Steve. But as I said, is that a little wisdom in your background there? If it's in there, I'm taking it. Um, but. But for me, just to be able to play, as I go back to the Ashes series, um, you know, and to win both of them, you know, and we were lucky. We finished it up pretty early. I think we were singing it by the third test match in those series. But from an English perspective, I actually helped England win two test matches. Um, in Adelaide was a famous victory for England. Devon Malcolm bowled as fast as anyone's humanly bowled. Like day five, Adelaide, 
It's slow. It's keeping low. And I remember I walked out to bat. Steve Waugh's middle stump had flown by about 30 metres. And Big Debbie, you know, arching back, that slinging action, I just remember going, no backlift. You could get hurt here. And he ran through us. Um, and then in 98, 99, three-day test, Boxing Day, late that night, myself and Colin Miller, we're, we're trying to work out where we're going to celebrate, where we're getting drink cards, Star Bar, then the Crown Casino. An hour later, out there batting, and Dean Headley runs through us, and England win within that three days. So, no celebrations, no drink cards. <laughs> we have a couple of important points for this Ashes series. Whichever way it goes, who, who are the who are the guys from either side side that are the key ingredients for those teams to have success? From Australia's perspective. You know, I, I think Steve Smith's going to have to score a lot of runs, him and Marnus. But the player I'm most excited to, about um, is Cam Green. You know, that 100 in India. I know he didn't bowl a lot over there, but six foot seven, bowls 145 kilometres an hour, bowls a natural outswinger. He's going to love bowling with the Duke delivery uh, ball. So, you know, can it be a massive breakout series for him, like Freddie Flintock did in 05? Um, and from England, I'm actually going to go the all-rounder, the man who's been a match winner in Ben Stokes. You know, I, I don't think under baseball, you know, I, Stokes, you can't do baseball unless the captain and coach both embrace it. And 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 Baz and obviously Ben are, are well aligned and they want to go that way. Um, has his game uh, regressed a little bit? Possibly. So... Can he get it back up to that vintage 2019? He's been a wonderful Ashes player. Can he still come on and get handy wickets? Um, and he's batting. Sometimes it looks for me, he, he's he's fully embraced baseball, but maybe he needs to give himself a little bit more time with the bat because we know if captains have bad Ashes series, you know, it can impact the whole team. So I, I think it's, a real big series for both all-rounders in these teams. Glenn, been fantastic uh, to have a chat. Uh, look forward to hearing your dulcet tones um, right across the series uh, on, on SEM. We, uh, we know and uh, you've already let us know that uh, you're looking forward to getting over there and uh, bring on um, June 16, I say. Yeah, can't wait. Let, let everyone know Harney's got a higher test score than you, 48. <laughs> <laughs> I'll catch up with you over there, Harney. Yeah, look forward to it, Glenn. Catch you later, Matt. Thanks for coming on. You're on me, you two. Uh, we will. Don't worry about that. <laughs>